0: Nita, I was lingering to make sure you got down all right. That was kind of a short path you took there. Make sure you get down safely. Alright, take your Bibles, please, tonight, and turn to the book of Revelation, chapter two, and we're of course stepping back a little bit, and uh, looking at the church of Thy- Tyra, a sermon that I entitled Internal Combustion, but the more I think about it, maybe it should have been simultaneous combustion. Y'all know what that is? That's when like a person or something will just burst into flames. You know, this is one of the strangest situations. In fact, it was so strange. I'm sitting there and I'm changing what I'm going to say as I'm worshiping. Um, as I thought about what Matt said this morning and as we were worshiping tonight, uh, even what I was going to say to you tonight is changing. Because every time I stand before you, there's a couple of things we want to happen. Now, we want to be true to the Word of God, and I really want to be able to come home to you and you walk out that door with something that you can use. Now, we don't want to twist the Word of God to make that happen. But we want God to reveal truths to us that we can take home um, in honor of his words. So that's what we want to do. Now, tonight we're going to look at the church of Thyatira. Now, you remember when I was talking about the churches, we had, we had Sardis and Thyatira together. And I said, man, those are two really hard ones, God. You know, I think we probably need to give them a break. And we did that. And it worked out really well. And tonight, I almost, as I'm sitting there going, okay, I wish there were more people here to hear this. And, and in case you're wondering, well, why didn't you just skip a week and wait? Well, Never mind. It's just called schedules, also, you know. And uh, so we're hoping that God will speak to our hearts tonight and we'll be able to share what we got. Now, Thyatira was a city that is southeast of Pergamos, okay? If you're looking at the map, it's southeast of Pergamos, all right? And unlike, there's a couple things that's unlike other cities. Well, actually, about three things. First off, it was not a large city, it was a small city. Secondly, um, it didn't have a huge influence of false gods. Uh, I told you about all the marvelous temples that were all these. They didn't really have that. They, they did kind of do the Zeus thing, and they kind of did the, the worship of the emperor thing. You know, the emperor called himself a god, so they kind of had to worship him too. But there really wasn't large, large um, temples devoted to those gods um, in Thyatira. And the third thing is, it's a Harrisburg. Now, hang on. I, by that, I mean this. Um, you know, Really, Harrisburg doesn't have a, a large manufacturing base in the sense of, of IBM, Silicon Valley, a large car plant, you know, farm, coal mine, uh, work with the state as far as hospitals and prisons go, teachers, those guys, just everyday people. And Thyatira... Had a whole lot of everyday people. Um, They were a manufacturing city. Okay, a lot of the uh, trade guilds were there. Um, They're famous for uh, their fabric, the dyeing of their fabric, um, different manufacturing things like that. So, so there's nothing huge. And by the way, check this out. If you look at, um, I'm giving scripture Acts sixteen fourteen. If if you'll check that out later, one of perhaps one of the founding members of the church at Thyatira was a lady named Lydia. You remember her from Acts chapter 16? She was down washing water, and Paul walked up and and ministered to her and witnessed to her, and she received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And she was a maker of purple garment from Thyatira. So that's perhaps the first influence there of the gospel. And, crazy enough, another woman is going to be the underminer of Thyatira. So it's just kind of a, a weird situation. Now, notice what the Bible says here. Write to the angel of the church of Thyatira. And again, keep in mind, Ecclesia, a group of people, not a building. And notice it says the Son of God. And this is the only time in the book of Revelation that Jesus calls himself the Son of God. His favorite title was what? The Son of Man. The Son of Man. That's his favorite title over and over again. Now, the Son of God is used throughout the Bible, New Testament, ...but it's only used one time in the book of Revelation Is here. And he says, "...the one whose eyes are like a fiery flame and whose feet are like fine bronze." And this reflects back to Revelation chapter 1, verses 13, 14, and 15... ...where it's describing Jesus Christ, and the eyes described there are flame. If you're, right, if you're taking notes, write down the fact that he knows everything. He knows everything. The eyes represent the fact that he sees and that he knows... And I want to go again. Jesus knows it all. Amen? He looks into our lives. He knows what's going on. The feet symbolize power. Bronze was more valuable even than gold in those days. And this was an ally of metals come together. When it says, this is talking about this bronze, this, this first bronze, he's talking about a powerful man. So we have Jesus Christ all knowing, and we have Jesus Christ all powerful. And then he starts talking to the church. now, do you, remember, do you remember when I talked about Ephesus? And, and you know, Ephesus said, you know, Jesus said, to Ephesus, oh, you have this going on, this going on, this going on. And, and, and we said it was the measure of success. You remember that? I said, you know, how we measure success in America is big crowds and big buildings and lots of programs. And Ephesus had the reputation of being that kind of a church, a church that had stuff going on. Look what he says about Fire Tyre. The one whose eyes are like a fiery flame and whose feet are like fine bronze says, I know your works, your love, your faithfulness, your service and your endurance. Now, would you not think that that's a church that's really got it going on? Wouldn't you pause today and say, man, that's the kind of church I want my kids to grow up in. That's That's kind of, I want to invest my life in a church like that. And it gets even better because he says, your last works are greater than the first. In other words, not only do they have the the love and the faithfulness and the service and endurance, they've got all that going on. They're growing. And I don't mean numerically. They're growing deeper in love. They're growing deeper with faithfulness. They're growing deeper with service. And they're growing deeper with endurance. And you're going, wow, what a church. And then it's like Jesus comes along and does a sweet kick and knocks it flat on our face, because the most staving complaint is saved for this church that had love, faithfulness, service and endurance. Now guys, that's a wake-up call. Churches that seem to have it all together can break the heart of God and or tired did that. Here's what he said. I have this against you. You tolerate, you allow to act without check, okay? This woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my slaves to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrificed out. Let me read that again because that's quite a charge. You tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my slaves to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrifice to idols. Now we all remember Jezebel. And again, once again, you don't see, if you read the birth announcements in the paper, you don't see too many Jezebels. You don't see too many Benedict Arnolds. You just don't see that. And Jezebel is probably known as the most simple woman there ever was. In fact, 1 Kings chapter 21 verse 25 says this, speaking about ah, Ahab and, and, and Jezebel. Still, there was no one like Ahab who, now check this out, check this out, who devoted himself to do what was evil in the Lord's sight. Let that soak in. Here's a man, now we're not talking about a guy, he's an Israelite king, we're not talking about a guy who occasionally stepped into sin. He devoted himself to offending God. He devoted himself to Baal. Baal the false god. He devoted himself to doing what was evil in the sight of God. And check this out. Because his wife, Jezebel, incited him. If you're single tonight, be careful who you choose. Come on now. If you've got kids coming up, you better be involved in who they date and who they marry. Because I'm telling you, so often a spouse... Will influence the other one. A, a, a date will influence another. And very rarely, you mark this down, you listen to this, get an old preacher. Rarely does a good guy pick a bad person up. Never, rarely does a sinner pick up a saint. Normally, I'm sorry, a saint picks up a sinner. Normally, it's the sinner pulling the saint down. Can I have a witness? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And your thought, is, your thought is, your daughter will say, But Daddy, I can help him. But Mama, I can help him. There's a reason why the Bible says don't be unequally yoked together. You be involved in who your child marries. And if you're single tonight, you better not go against God's Word. I'm telling you, there's danger in that. There's great danger in that. Be careful. Be careful. Now, Jezebel... This is probably, in John's eye, it's, it's a pseudonym. Most likely there was not a, a name, a woman named Jezebel in the church. But John, in inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uses the most evil woman he can think of in the Bible. And Jezebel comes to mind. And, and here's the problem. Here's what I want you to get. The problem here is not that Jezebel an adulteress. That's not what this address. She probably was. In fact, she was. But that's not the problem. Do you see the problem? One, she called herself a prophetess. She was a person of influence. She's one of those people that could gather a crowd, whether it be in church or somewhere else. She had a magnetic personality. She had a charismatic personality. And she started calling herself a prophetess, a leader in the church of God. They didn't appoint her as a leader. She simply assumed that role. That happens in churches. So often, there are people that may not be very godly, but because of their personalities, they become the unofficial leader. you want to know why there are so many fight, uh, fights in business meetings? Too often is because there are unofficial elected leaders who are very ungodly who want their way and not God's way. Happens in church. Oh, there are so many church splits, not because there's, there's division over doctrine. It's about, I want my way or I'm going to take the highway. And they do, and they go down the highway and they start another church. I heard preacher after preacher say sometimes God multiplies by division. Hogwash! It's sin when a church divides over something like that. It's crazy, just crazy. So, so the problem was that she was committing adultery. She had lectured herself as a prophetess, and she was teaching and deceiving people. She was pulling others into her wayward ways, and she had two main areas. And these sound very familiar. One is this: to commit sexual immorality, and two. To violate the conscience, to commit sexual morality, an abuser of grace. Now, here's how all this ties together. <laughs> the guilds, and these are not my words; they come from the commentary. The guilds were kind of like unions. So, when you belong to the fabric dyeing union, the uh, the bronze making union, the fabric making union, and you go to the guild hall, okay? Now, now at the guild hall, at the union hall here, I don't know if they serve alcohol or not, and that's not the point. But back then, it involved a couple things. It usually involved some kind of sexual license. How do you know, didn't figure that out? Everything was about sex back then, too. You went to church, you went to worship Zeus, it involved sex. You went to the Union Hall, it involved sex. You think America's something new? You know, history just repeats itself. So, so, so you've, got, you've got this deal going on, and there's sexual license there, and they're offering meat that had been offered to idols. Which again is not a problem unless you're a young believer who thinks it's a problem and you get down there and you see Joe the deacon eating the meat and you say, well if he's eating the meat I'll eat the meat and then the young Christian eats the meat and he feels guilty because he violated his conscience. And a person with his conscience violated is a weak believer, a defeated believer, a guilty believer, a shame-filled believer. So she basically comes along and says this, look, you've got to make a living you got to make a living. So listen, go on down to the union hall and partake of their stuff. I mean, come on. God understands. So they would go down in, in, in the sense of, I have to make a living and be a part of this guild, because if you're not part of the guild, it involves economic you know, isolation. So they go down and they participate in this in this idolatry, and they participate in the adultery, actually the fornication going on, and it was undermining and destroying the church. And Jezebel was leading that band. And that was the big problem. She was leading people astray. Now, do we have a Jezebel in church today? Most likely not. Now, there are some churches, I'm sorry, if you think I'm judging, then go home and just pray for me. But if you'll just take a look at at what we call Christian television today. It is some of the strangest brandings of Christianity I've ever seen. I mean, it's just crazy, guys. And if you can watch it and it don't seem crazy, then maybe I'm the crazy one. But every once in a while, I'll be flipping through the channels and I'll I'll stop and pause and watch some of this stuff. And I'm going, where did this come from? And they are on television selling a brand of the gospel that simply is not biblical. In some ways, that's Jezebel-like behavior. And here's what we have to care about. I said, God, and this happened right here sitting on this road. You know, again, I, I, I probably, you won't probably find a deacon in our church teaching the Sunday school class it's okay to have sex outside of marriage. You probably won't have that Jeze. If it's a Jezebel's a girl, I want the jezebel to would be the boy. What's called Jez for short. You probably won't have a Jez... Nor will you have in the women's singles class. One of the teachers said, "Can you add marquito That poor doing this, ladies. It's just okay. Go ahead. that be crazy. We can't fathom that." But you know, here's what came to my brain while I'm sitting down in the front row, and I want you to hear me real carefully. Do you understand that somewhere in the 1930s or 40s, somewhere in there, we started rebranding Christianity in America? I don't know how it happened. I don't know the history of it. But do you understand that somehow we really did turn church to be more about us than them? More about us than him? Do you, do you really understand and believe that somewhere we twisted it where God does exist for us and not us for God? You, you can see in our prayer lives. Every, every prayer meeting you go to and every prayer list you see it's filled with sick people. But you, we don't have a single missionary listed on our prayer list. Do you not want? I'm not sure there's any lost people listed on our prayer list. But, but we are, And there's nothing wrong with praying for sick people. But prayer means about, it's an organ service. We pray for the organs of people. And that's a sign again, okay God, this is what's wrong in my life and I want it fixed. And there's nothing wrong with praying about that, except for when that becomes the focus of our existence. And that, you, did you know you can have an affair with religion? You know, Jesus talked about don't commit adultery of the world. You know, Bert, John talked about don't commit adultery of the world. But adultery is anything you're not true to the one true thing. If we're not careful, our religion can become our, our affair partner. Our church can become our affair partner. Pastor's not about this. I said this morning, I'll just share with you something. Brother Jeremy was preaching this morning uh, in Sunday school class, and he's talking about the four corners of the world. One was the bedroom, it was the ball field, it was the boardroom, and what was the other one? Uh, the bank. Money. Money. And I told him, I said, guys, I'm doing okay on the bedroom thing. Praise God, that has not a problem as of yet. Yeah, I'm I keep my guards up. I can't do anything sports-wise. I can't bowl. I can't even play bocce ball. You know? I am really, you know what, I'm not crazy about money. I know y'all think I'm tight, but that's just a false reputation. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't like pecan pie either. It's all folks. It's all hoax. But that boardroom thing, I spend way too much time trying to make you happy and not God happy. I want to be successful as a pastor more than I want to be successful as a man of God. Because there are times I need to tell y'all no, and I don't do it. There are times I know when God's leading us this way, but I know it will cost, and so I don't go that way. And that's having an affair with the church, guys. We got to fight against this. You heard it this morning. You heard it this morning. You heard it this morning. There is one commission. It is the advancement of the kingdom of God. But the church in America has so... Tw- you know this is true. But if you will read the Gospels of Jesus Christ and what he was about, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Jezebel didn't buy into that. I I, I would love to have gotten the brains of people this morning as they heard this strange story of a man leaving his family behind, his stuff behind, and taking his kids to a place in Central Asia, knowing it is dangerous. And to him it's totally dangerous normal. And I'm thankful God doesn't call everybody. I understand that. But I know this, that, and I believe, by the way, doors way above a lot of churches in this area. But I walked away this morning knowing we're not there yet. That we need better prayer warriors. We're wonderful givers, but we need to give more. And we need to send more. We need to send more. Because I, I don't want a Jezebel in the church teaching a false doctrine. But nor do I want us to have an affair with the world or with religion or ourselves. I want our affair to be with one person, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That's hard, by the way. I know it's hard. See, this is what's, what they call, you know what's great about getting old. I'm one of y'all. I got gray right hair. Yeah, y'all gave it to me, but I got it. I got gray hair. I'm there. I'm one of y'all. I'm almost 60 years old. I grew up in that generation. How many times have I told people, just trust Jesus and everything will be okay. Just trust Jesus and He'll save your marriage. Just trust Jesus and He'll heal your body. He might. He might not. And I have helped raise a generation of people who are totally disappointed in God because God didn't come through like the preacher said. And I'm going to do my best to lead us in a truer version, the true version of the gospel, where we exist for God and not God for us. Really. And it didn't start with this morning, by the way. You've heard this stuff. But you got to remember, I just came back from the International Learning Center last week, too, and seeing what I saw there really touched my heart. So old Jezebel, she's leading people astray. And by the way, one more thing, in case you're not mad yet, I'll try one more time. You know, there's the actual Jezebels who lead people astray with false teaching. I just told you that the church in America is having an affair with themselves and with religion. And, And in that sense, if we lead people down that path, we're a spiritual Jezebel of sorts. But be careful not to be a Jezebel by your lifestyle. What do you mean, Dwayne? Remember that people are watching you as a Christian. Christians are watching you. If you're living in such a way that's damaging that. Even though you're not speaking the words, you're living the words. Be careful young Christians don't look at your life and go, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be a part. I want out. I want to leave. So be careful not to be that kind of Jezebel either. Now, verse 21 is really interesting. And Dave, i got an assignment for you. You know, we have one church, very clearly, where Jesus said, you and them. But other than that, these letters are addressed to the Ecclesia, the people of God, and your homework assignment, Mister Higgs, is to determine when he says Ecclesia is Jezebel part of the Ecclesia? Is she a very wayward believer in Christ? Now, you for first of all, be what? Ain't no way. But he doesn't he doesn't refer to Jezebel as an outsider, but as a member of the Ecclesia. Just an interesting thought. We'll check that out. And watch this. Here's what makes me think. I wonder if she's a really wayward believer, because look what it says. I gave her time to what? Repent. Now, most people repent of their sin to salvation, but that's not the context here. I gave her time to repent of her sin. But look what it says. But she does not want to repent, and there's the problem. We like our sin. Jesse didn't want to give up her sin because she liked the power, she liked the influence, and she probably liked the pleasure. And we don't want to repent. Because we're enamored sometimes with our sin. There's a certain pleasure in gossiping and cutting somebody down. There's a certain pleasure in lying about someone and undermining their character. There's certainly pleasure and excitement in some of the sin that the world offers. And Jezebel said, God gave her, wasn't that great God? God gave her time. And she said what? No. 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 How many times do we say no? How many times do we say no? I gave her time to repent, but she does not repent of her sexual immorality, she didn't want to give it up. So what did God do? He said, "Well, if that's the way you feel, then just go ahead, and I'll go somewhere else." Verse twenty-two. Look, I will throw her, in, and I check the Greek out. And it literally means to hurl. I will throw her into a sickbed. God says, all right, Jezebel, you won't repent, so I'm going to help you repent. I'm going to throw you to a sickbed. Now, if you've been coming on Wednesday nights, you know there's a very good possibility that David was helped by God repent by at least some kind of a very serious illness during that year when she she was pregnant with the baby and shortly thereafter. Read the Psalms. It's all in there. So, God said, I'm going to afflict Jezebel with an illness. Why would he do that? We'll talk about that in just a minute. And those who commit adultery with her unto great tribulation, unless they repent of her practice. We're going at 23.2 because it gets really cool. Now, not cool, hard. I will kill her children now with a plague. Now these are not literally her children, but they are her ardent followers. They're the ones who bought into Jezebel hook, line, and sinker. So you got Jezebel, you got the ones who are flirting with her teachings, and then you got the ones who bought it hook, line, and sinker. Here's what God says. Jezebel, you're going to sick bed. The ones who are flirting with her, I'm gonna bring great tribulation into their lives. And the ones who have followed her completely. I'm sorry, the Greek says, I'm going to kill them. Do we have an example of that? Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira. Lying to the Holy Spirit. And God killed them. Is that hard? Is that hard? God is going to bring glory to His name. And I really believe God does not allow His name to be drugged through the mud like this. Amen? So... What about discipline? What about discipline? Okay, take your Bibles, go ahead and look I've got my cheat sheet, but look at Hebrews chapter 12. Go ahead and turn your Bibles there. This is something, again, we don't hear too much, we don't hear enough of. Hebrews chapter twelve, verses five through eleven. We're gonna read eleven verses, so it'll be about like six verses. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or faint when you are reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and punishes every son He receives. God does discipline for sin. Endure suffering as, a, as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, all receive, all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had natural fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we we submit even more to the Father of Spirit to live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but God does it for our what? Our benefit. So that we can share His holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We have a God who will discipline us. That's a place for an amen. We do. We do. We have a God who loves us. Now watch this. Is it punishment? I believe, if I understand right, she would not repent, so I'm going to throw her into her sick bed. The purpose of the sick bed was to bring Jezebel to repentance. The purpose of the great tribulation was to bring the children who were flirting with her doctrine into repentance. And even, by the way, look at the last part of verse 23. I will kill her children with the plague. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who examines minds and hearts. And I will give to each of you according to your works. Jesus says, even if he chooses to kill some of these believers, it will be for the purpose of showing his magnificent glory. Just like in ice and sapphire. Just like in ice and sapphire. Now, it's time for the disclaimer. Not every cold, not every flat tire, not every time the alternator goes out, Judy, is a discipline of God. I believe if you're being disciplined, you're going to know it. I think David knew it. But at the same time, don't discount tribulation in your life. Perhaps God is trying to speak to you and bring you back into his embrace. Now, again, on, on Wednesday nights, we spent a couple of weeks on Psalm 50, and there's an incredible scripture there that I think you need to hear. He says, God says, when you see a thief, you make friends with him, and you associate with adulterers. Now again, that's not like friendship, that's intimacy. You unleash your mouth for evil, and harness your tongue for deceit. You sit maligning your brother, slandering your mother's son. So you sin sexually, you, you sin with your mouth, you hurt people, and then this. You have done these things. And I kept silent. Speaking about God. You thought I was just like you. New Living Translation says, if you want to know the way, you thought I didn't care. But I will rebuke you And lay out the case before you. Here's the sad part. We not only are grace abusers, we are abusers of God's patience. I gave Jezebel time to repent. And God in His grace and mercy, I believe, are given individuals and are giving the church a time to repent. But there will come a time of judgment if that repentance does not occur. America is on that path, folks. Churches in America, listen to me, are on that path. And it all points to the end times. At all points to the end times. Verse number 24 starts the encouragement. Because this wasn't true of everybody in the church that I had It's not true of every church in America. It's not true of all the members of a particular church in America. I say to the rest of you in Tara who do not hold this teaching, who haven't known the deep things of Satan, as they say, and this is cool, listen, the deep things of Satan are the twisting of God's word. Jezebel said, oh, God understands. Oh, God knows you're only human. Have you heard that before? It don't float, folks. It don't float. When we start adding our stuff to God's stuff, that's the deep things of Satan. When we twist the Word of God to make it say what we want it to say, that's not God. That's the deep things of Satan. And there were some in Thyatira who hadn't known the deep things of Satan, as they say, and I will not put any other burden on you. God says, I will not put any other burden on you. You are doing well. He says this, but hold on to what you have until I come. Hold on to what you have. And church, I want to tell you this. Hold on to what we've got. Hold on to what we've got. Hold on to what we've got. But if there are things that we need to repent of, we need to repent of them. Because I don't know how long God's patience is going to be. For America, listen. The QC little saying, I'm not a prophet or some are a prophet. But is anyone here surprised about the downward moral condition of America? When we have slapped God, kicked God out of church, kicked God out of schools, kicked God out of the Constitution, kicked God out of government, are you surprised? Is anyone here surprised? I still laugh at myself when I hear people come in. Do you know what the Supreme Court did? Why are you surprised? We've invited God out and put man in charge. And there's one answer, and it's repentance. It's repentance. You know, again, I don't know who's going to be the next president. But I promise you, whoever he or her is, he or she is not the answer. I don't know who's going to be put on the Supreme Court next time. But I promise you this, he or she is not the answer. I'm not sure who's going to win the, the governorship and the Senate races and the House races in Illinois. But I can tell you this, they're not the answer. There's one answer, and it's Jesus Christ. And there's one answer for sin, and it's Repentance. It's not, God, I'm sorry. It is turning from that sin. Hold on what you got. And look at this. This is so cool. The one who is victorious and keeps my works to the end, I will give him authority over the nations, and he will shepherd them with an iron scepter. He will shatter them like pottery, just as I have received this from my Father. I will also give him the morning star, which is another name for Jesus Christ. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. What is this? 2 Timothy 2.11 This saying is trustworthy. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny Him, He will deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. John is speaking, Christ is speaking, of a time when we who are faithful will reign with Jesus Christ the King. I love what way Matt put it this morning. Every knee will bow. We just talked about it in our church. Every knee will bow. Either as saved and forgiven, in honor and admiration, or in subjection. With an iron fist. But every knee will bow. If there's ever a time. I used to say. If there's ever a time for the church to be the church. It's now. But there's ever a time. For the church to really. Get back to the word of God. Believing the word of God. Practicing the word of God. And doing what the word of God. It is today and that will be a very uncomfortable journey for most of us because we will come into some situation and our mind will say one thing and word God's word will say another there be a something there'll come a time when something will be pleasurable but it'll be wrong and we'll have to deny ourselves that pleasure but that's what the church that's what the world needs to know the message of the church is God loves and God forgives but we have sinned against holy God and the answer to that is Jesus' blood and our turning from our sin. And that's a challenge for us. Now, I hope that you'll remember some of this stuff and I really hope that we will be prepared for revival, even as we go to now to lay of the sea of the next week. But the God will speak to our hearts. Guys, we can't just keep doing corn and get, get something different. If you want something different, we've got to plant something different. If we want our lives changed, our marriages change, our country changed, we've got to do something different. It is not business as usual. I want not you to bow your heads for prayer? I want to ask you a question. Is there anything in your life right now that you know God is speaking to you about and he's giving you time to repent? Is there anything in your life right now you know God is speaking to you about and he's giving you time to repent? What are you going to do about that? I could give you a list if you want, but I don't think I need you. God is being patient and giving us time. The championship football game for college is played right after the first of the year. For the next few months, the guys kind of take it easy. But early in the spring, they start conditioning and training. Because game time is coming. They even watch it right after January. But long about spring, they begin to get ready. It's spring, folks. It's time for us to get ready. We cannot wait to kick off to be in condition. Now's the time. Now's the time. Our schools need it. Our communities need it. Our leaders need it. And we are the church. We are the church. So, Father, in the most precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, thank you for your word. Thanks, God. May we begin to see it, our bottom line... With, We'll begin to see the Word of God as you wrote it and intended it, and not as we have clouded it and changed it. Father, allow the Word to impact our lives. And no matter how difficult, may we follow it. May we be those who endure. I want to thank you, Father, for this day. Do business in our lives. In fact, God, may tonight just be the beginning of doing business in our lives. Father, as we end this service in a few moments, may the work just begin. May your word be chewed over in our minds and our hearts throughout this week. As Brother Donnie Billman loves to say, trouble us with your word. And Jesus, I pray this. And your precious name.